my husband did bring me the Hellfire Club <gasps> D&D mug. Yeah, so he did. So I do have, I do have a Represent. demonic mug. Okay, I also have one that I didn't clean up from the other day. This one is the High Priestess. So oh, Amazing. I know. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, okay, so I'm 10 years old. I get taken to an exorcism. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction with your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and my Roman Empire was thinking about demons from a very young age pretty much every single day. And I'm Meg, and I thought about demons constantly. I saw them. I heard them. I was just scared of them all the time. And I'm Sarai, and I thought about demons like on occasion. There were probably times when I thought about them more, but I also really was not afraid of demons, which is weird. Lucky. I know. Yeah, lucky you. I love that for you. And I literally listened to Bob Larson every day. Like it was a part of our daily playlist, uh, which I haven't recited the whole afternoon because you all know what I listened to every morning. (laughs) Start the day with Rush. Yeah. And the day with Bob Larson being terrifying. Oh, we weren't a Bob Larson family. I really feel like I missed out on this. Clutch Christian experience did no. miss out because Bob Larson was like some epic demononic, demononic shit. <laughs> well, lucky for you, we're going to get into it. Today, we're going to talk about demons. And in my heart of hearts, I already had the name for this episode picked before we even recorded the episode because our Lord and Savior, Amy Grant, she came to me in a dream. It wasn't really a dream, but a vision. Dreamlike. Demons watching over me. Yes. Because let me tell you, when I was a kid, I didn't have visions of angels watching over me. I wasn't thinking about how many angels were floating around, protected me. All I thought about were demons and how many were hovering around waiting to get that foothold. Mm. Mm. (laughs) You feel it. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a lot of talk of footholds. And those demons were... Always. Were there ever angels trying to get footholds? Oh, hell no. Where no. are all our angels? And it's also they- like doctrinally, my church wasn't really into angels like that much, you no. know? Mm-mm. Like that wasn't a thing. We also weren't that into demons until later. That all has to do with a man named Frank Peretti. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a limb and say Frank Peretti really changed the demon game. But I digress. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting too far ahead. First of all, I want to start with when you were young – what were you told was demons or demonic? Like, what was a thing that you remember? And, and the weirder, the better. But for example, in the first episode of this podcast, we get into talking about anxiety and mental illness and how, Meg, you were told it was demons, correct? Demons. You know, those little whispering demons that are mm. getting in your head, that you're allowing a foothold in your life and that fear is going to come from them and you just got to banish that with Jesus name, the end. Simple as that. Yeah. But how about the end part? Because I also feel like there's never an end. We just have to keep doing that all the time. Right. I was always thinking like there were, it was like once you banished one type of demon, right? Let's say an anxiety demon, like a demon that's telling you that you're not, you're worthless. Once that one goes away, guess what? There's like a gajillion more coming with all their own ideas of things that they're going to torment you with. So it's like it is a never-ending parade 
of different types of demons. So you just have to like always be speaking out the name of Jesus to like banish them because there's no other way. There's no other solution. Maybe it's demons. Maybe it's religious OCD. I mean, who's to say? Who's, who's to say? To say? <laughs> Sarai, what were you told was demons? I, You know, this is so funny because I feel like it's such a mixed bag. I guess I th- I like things were demonic, like gay, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. was like obviously. kind of the main one, I think, in the 80s and 90s that like Christians were really demonizing, pardon, pardon the pun, not intended, but appreciated. Um, yeah. So I feel like that was, it was sort of just like in the zeitgeist around me that things could be demonic or like a movie or music or something. Different a kinds lot of, of music. A lot of yeah. media. Backmasking. Yeah, like, you know, metal. <laughs> like What's metal the, was like the, demonic And or if something. you played it backwards. Yes. Being, yes. Like, That's the backmasking. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Or like when they're like, oh, when in the Beatles, they're like, everybody smoke pot. Everybody smoke pot. That's demonic. They're trying to – that's Bob Larson, though. Like all of all of my demonic mm. education, I got from listening to Bob Larson and weirdly reading a number of his books. But I also always thought they were funny. So I think I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just never really. I wasn't like demon fear. I wasn't like, like you didn't have demons. the fear of the demons. I you? wasn't afraid of demons. Part I, like because I believed in the part of like, well, I mean, if Jesus, they can't be around Jesus, then like, whatever. I'm so full of Jesus, it's ridiculous. I'm just oozing Jesus out of my pores all day. Okay, you know? but like, I had that side note to that was like, if you are one of the chosen, then you're going to be a target for the demons. Mm. That was my mm. childhood. I also grew up really charismatic, so for me, yeah. there were. Um, a lot of like praying for people at calling certain ailments demon demonic or um, yeah. you know if somebody was dressed promiscuously like that was a demon of lust that had come over them that was trying to tempt other people. Um, we I participated as a child in laying on of hands to help people relieve themselves from demons. Um, I saw a lot of kind of scary shit in my life um, growing up. And so for me, it was like a reality, like a full reality. And and especially because it started with things like cartoons, like Mm -hmm. the Smurfs and the gummy bears were not allowed because of the witchcraft, the demonic, you know, powers that were being shown. It was like going to influence us and somehow we were going to be affected or become more susceptible to a demon possession, the more that we allowed these types of media to like be in our lives. Hmm. It's so interesting. I really watched like the Smurfs and I watched a lot of He-Man when I was like little. <laughs> it's it's just, it's funny because like I think because it was introduced in cartoons to me, even though it wasn't like my mom's preferred thing, I just, it was, it never phased me. So I, I like, I can just kind of stop talking about my experience with demons because it's basically like, literally it's just Bob Larson and I can talk about that. But <laughs> let's talk about Meg. This is like a fascinating, I come from a very stoic down to earth kind of, you know, we were on the path of entire sanctification. So I think in my doctrine, like in my religious upbringing, it was very much about personal responsibility. Like in a way, like, 
acting as if demons are the cause of your bad deeds or thoughts or actions would have been like a cop out for like a Wesleyan, you know? <laughs> it's very it's very charismatic. And I think that like, you know, from the outset of this episode, I want to say, you know, there was the satanic panic of this time. And so it's interesting because there were, there were certain things that were like all lumped in together, demons, Satanism, witchcraft, all of that, right? It's not necessarily all the same thing. But if you were in certain circles of evangelical Christianity, especially if you were charismatic, a lot was blamed on demons Mm -hmm. specifically. And I feel like the term demonic, like things being demonic, was just widely used. Everything was demonic, right? (laughs) What exactly was meant by that? I don't know. Um, I think it was a lot to scare you from using it because it was this whole thing, right? You would open up the doorway. Yes. If you use, if you played D and D, if you listened to secular music, then you were uh, op- you were making yourself vulnerable. We're victim blaming here, so that it's your fault when the right. demon possesses you, right? right? Be- yeah. You guys, because you use. <laughs> so I, I just, was just again. I literally just had a total like realization. That's going to seem so obvious when I say it out loud. But I love, though, like, it's like they were planting fire angels at the gates of the Garden of Eden and saying, these are demons. If you open the door to other information that we are not Mm. in control of. Exactly. Then you are opening yourself up for the devil to get a foothold in your life. And for me, that was Christian college. And one professor being like, huh, does racism not exist? Interesting thoughts, right? Maybe you go check it out, dummy. Just kidding. (laughs) They call me dummy. He knew it wasn't my fault. Thank you. Oh, my God. That's exciting. Okay. Yep. Footholds. That makes a lot of sense. Like, don't go outside of this wall. Otherwise, that's where all the demons are going to get you. And as a child, I knew I was outside of the wall. Like, I was outside of the garden. I was living in the world. I was exposed to all of these demonic forces. And they were, like, literally everywhere. In, in everything. And once I realized that they could also possess a person, I mean, that story in the Bible of Jesus sending the demon into the pigs and them running off the cliff and like, I mean, that was, yeah, that's like Sunday Legion. morning, like Bible story for children, you know? Yes. Yeah. Because it's got cute little farm animals in it and they're running off a cliff <laughs> kill to their death, yeah. which I was always sad for the pigs. Like, why did they have to get the demons? <laughs> They're spirits. Like, they have to go into a living creature. Okay, sorry. So I, I posed this question on, tic- on TikTok a little while back because I wanted to know what the peoples, if they were raised Christian, what they were told was demonic. We've covered some of them. I just wanted to read the whole dang list. So here we go. Things that are demonic or demons. The Smurfs. Secular music. Halloween. Arabian Nights picture book. Smurfs again. Ace of Base. Spice Girls. Playing cards. Harry Potter. Disney. Aliens. Memes? Wearing make wearing makeup, anything involving magic. Every cartoon except ones made by focus on the family. Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Those are the worst Anxiety. ones. <laughs> yeah. Depression. Alcohol. Ouija boards. Yes. <laughs> Casper and Casper the friendly ghost. And this one made me laugh really hard because the person was like, in his name, he's a friendly ghost. Like, wouldn't <laughs> he be more like an like not a demon? He's friendly. He's the angel uh, version. But- Gosh. So yeah. cute too. Um, and- there is also like people who commented saying that they like prayed to get possessed by a demon because they like wanted to know what it was like because they heard about it so much. Oh my I God. certainly never prayed for that. But um, 
Yeah, my okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my two weird like demon adjacent stories from my childhood. Um, one of which my mom always told a story about when my youngest sister was a baby. She like felt my mom felt something weird one night when when my sister was like sleeping in her crib and she said she went in and was like praying over my sister and there was like this weird noise this thing like hovering over my <sighs> sister and she prayed and she like hears the noise move through through the house it's like leaving and then goes out the like sliding glass door and my mom like opens the curtain or whatever and there's like a black cat sitting outside the sliding glass door. So we think, you know, the cat had a demon in it that was trying to get my sister. What? That was one thing that <laughs> But my mom prayed it away. You so can't there's that. Woo. Trust a cat around a baby. You know they'll sleep on no. a baby's face. Well, um, black cats I should add that to the list. They're demonic. They so are. Yeah. Everybody knows. I have Check one, one in my one. house just because they're demonic and I You wanted... have a black cat named Jezebel, straight up demon. It is like hands yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the truth. You nailed it. Uh, I, I welcomed her into my life, and great, one day we'll both great. be eaten by dogs. Well, spoiler alert! I'm going to tell you how well you're going to do on this Bob Larson <laughs> demon quiz. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to ask: Do you have a black cat? Do you have any pets named Jezebel? Mm, you're possessed. I'm possessed. We'll get there with the spirit of Jezebel. My, <laughs> my second demon story is again. They were talked about a lot. I've never seen a demon. I've never been possessed by a demon <laughs> that I know of. We'll find out here from a quiz in a moment. But um, when my mom was like super into a charismatic, she went through some phases and she was in a particular charismatic phase. And I was probably 10. And we went, there was a woman who had been getting like help from our church. She lived in low income housing. I think it was like we had gone around distributing groceries to this building. And we met this woman and she clearly was having some mental health issues and so then but of course the people decided it was demons so then we came back to pray for her and I will just like never forget and again why it was appropriate to bring a 10 year old to pray to like I was brought to essentially you know an exorcism you know praying for and I just remember now being an adult um I don't fully know what was going on with her, possibly like schizophrenia, something along those lines. Of course. And I just remember this woman is sitting on a chair in her very small apartment and she's she's just clearly like bothered. She keeps trying to take things off her tongue and like wipe them on her lap. She's really twitchy. She's like trying to remove things from her. And yeah, we prayed for her. And then I don't remember ever seeing her again. And the demon certainly didn't leave her because spoiler alert, she wasn't possessed. And then I don't think we helped her any further. So that was a fun and terrifying time for a It is really interesting that as a Christian, once the prayer is done, we're kind of like, okay, we it's did God's it. hands like, now. You know, just wipe our hands clean. And like we did the prayer. And so therefore this person is now totally fine and saved because the demon part is gone. Supposedly. Not true. Not true at all. Like I, I, what I'm hoping is that there was a social worker who came along to help that person. Yeah. Someone actually equipped. Well, so if they lived in that- the right kind of housing, then hopefully they did have that. It, this I I gotta say like this is so interesting to me because it just every single part of it smacks of more denial of your own personal responsibility to take care of anyone else, which mm. actually came comes up all the time because it's like the main thing I like to talk about is. This this sense that if something bad is happening, it's outside of me. It's from some other demonic influence, the devil on my shoulder or whatever. 
And if I go and pray, that's enough. And then I don't really have any further work to do because it is in God's hands. And like, we're just okay because as long as we're fine and our own personal lives are okay, then everything's fine and we don't need to do more or show up for our neighbors or try any harder to be better because we're all fallen and absolution is all we're looking for anyway. Like, fuck that. Let's have some accountability. Okay, let's get back to the fun part. <laughs> Grown Up Sarai has to come in and just lecture the way that we like seriously constructed our whole entire lives <laughs> as evangelicals. It's so weird. In prepping for this episode, um, it's interesting because demons exist in all kinds of mythologies, right? They, they're not just in evangelical Christianity. And we're not here to debate whether or not they exist. I don't fucking care. <laughs> if I'm being honest, right? Like, whatever. It's more how they were with everything, like even in the homeschool episode. It's how they're wielded, how they're talked about, how we are brainwashed into believing that they are out there. They're ready to get us. They are – I will – and I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say, as I said earlier, I blame this all on Frank Peretti. That motherfucker – really took demons to like a whole different level. Yeah. He took one Bible verse and he turned, which is, let me, okay, here's here's the verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, 12. He wrote a lot. I personally wish he would have used the version that said principalities. That was like a word. That's Mm -hmm. like one of those Christian words that like as a child you're saying a lot. You're saying principalities. (laughs) (laughs) And like what does it mean? Yeah. (laughs) He did did not use that that version. So I want to know, did you all read Frank Peretti? Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit. Like how did you go? I read his entire canon. I read This Present Darkness. I read Piercing the Darkness. I read The Oath. I read his children's series. I'm sure that there were more. The children's series, I, fuck, I loved those books. Like The Tombs of Anik. I can't remember. Did you read all these? Do you, do no. you know what I'm talking about? I think I read the first two and then just was like, okay, okay I get it. <laughs> Demons are bad and then God saves everyone or something. Like, cool. <laughs> I was obsessed because they were like spooky. It was the only spooky things I was allowed oh, yeah. to. Yeah, and you're kind of a spooky girl, you know? Yeah. Like very yeah. Into I was spooky. So this was more like into right sexy things than spooky things. I think that's probably mm. that's my demonic yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were possessed by a, a demon of lust. Okay. I was it, a huge it. Frank Pretty fan. I feel like my mom got it right after it came out. And I think it I it maybe was a couple years later. I was pretty young. I was under 10 when I read This Present Darkness. What? And so same. Little. I was very yes. young. Yes. And from there, and I did not read the children's book series. I only read the adult books that he had written. They were equally terrifying. I There are parts from the children's books that I are still like burned into my brain because Whoa. I remember being like on such a cliffhanger being like, <gasps> like, yeah, they terrified me. I just remember it when I first started reading This Present Darkness, I... All I remember about it was that, to me, it resonated as true. It was – he was depicting and articulating things that I had experienced or things that Mm -hmm. I had felt or things I had seen. And for me, it just took my fear to a place of reality. Like, it, he is the reason why I was like, yep, 100%. If this grown-ass adult – man 
was saying like, hey, this is inspired work that I, he was like revealing things to us. He was, he was like giving us insights that God had given him. He was, um, you know, pulling back the curtain and, and so we could finally see what was happening in the spiritual world all around us, why wars were happening, why there was famine, like all of this was because of demons and it was not because of humans or human action. And it was a, the spiritual warfare part of my childhood, like blossomed after reading these books. And, and it's, so he, first of all, Frank Brady sold, I mean, this present darkness alone has sold over 2 million copies. It is, I mean, gang, it's still sells. It is wildly popular. Uh, I would say theologically, he doesn't give anything. Like people took his books as gospel yep. and they were all, so for those unfamiliar, his first book, uh, This Present Darkness. So I'll give a tiny little synopsis. So it's about this college town of Ashton. And here I'll give you, becomes the unlikely battleground in a cosmic clash between good and evil. Unseen by the human protagonist, armies of angels and demons wage war against one another in the spiritual realm for the souls of the people of Ashton. Up against spiritual supernatural forces, the future of the town seems bleak, but the power of prayer might be able to influence the outcome of the fight. Um, and yeah, it's this small town. I remember there's a scene at near the end of the book. I don't remember why. I don't remember the details, like what the clash is. Again, I, I remember it all being, you know, very intense, but there's like this truck that's getting someone or something to where it needs to go. And it's like, there's literally angels and demons on this yes. like U-Haul truck or whatever. You're gonna get like, some hot. They're ons. trying right, they're trying to get it to careen off. And it's like depends on how there's like this little old lady, I think, in the town that's praying, and it's like this little old lady's prayers that's keeping those angels. And it also just feels like to me, like, how tough can these angels be if they like have to have your prayers to be able to beat the demons? That's one question that I have. But I just remember <laughs> this 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 actual war going on over like this truck has to arrive at its destination for the soul of the town to be saved. And if you're not praying, if little old, you know, Marguerite isn't saying her prayers, the demons are going to win. So that just sets a really nice like thing. Again, I read this when I was like 10. And so the thought of just like one, I think the thing – that is super interesting is the feeling of self-importance that I think that you can have when you're like, oh, if I pray enough, then like I can save my town or something. You're I, a I never prayer really thought that. warrior. That's yes, literally that's a hilarious combination of words. But prayer yes. warrior, that's what you and get to be. And how do you prove when a good thing happens that it's from prayer? You can't. You can just say you prayed for something and it happened. But then when bad things happen, you just get to blame it on demons. Correct. And maybe blame the other people that they weren't praying hard enough. Correct. Your other, you are the only prayer warrior. Are you going to personally stop hordes of demons? We all know this is a volume game. It's a numbers like, game, people. Right. You need more I'm people praying, praying for the I'm very good at yeah. praying, but there are only so many legions of demons that I personally can stop unless we right. all get on board, right? Yeah. Because so, we're not all just Jesus by ourselves. We need everyone to be Jesus in the world <laughs> or something, probably. The rules for this are so confusing too. And I think that's another <laughs> thing that's like so fun about it is like it really is kind of a game, right? It's like if I say these magic words, if I call upon the right kind of spiritual presence, if I evoke the right names of God, 
these are all just witchcraft and they're all just mm. things that we were told no to that we weren't allowed to participate with or engage in. But yet the same things were called upon to like save the world. Like the same strategies that the devil was using are the exact same strategies that God is using. Like where's the imagination here? Come on. I mean, the devil is a fallen angel, so he gets it. And like, he, knows he knows all of God's tricks because he learned them all in angel class. When he was like pretty, pretty Lucifer the angel right. before he was Lucifer, our mortal enemy. Um, which is funny because like there's so many demons in Frank Peretti's books. And I looked it up and I believe that there are four named demons in the Bible. Um, you know, they're mentioned. It's much more like spiritual forces are talked about, which, again, lots of people believe in spiritual forces. So it's just interesting to me that Frank took this, really ran with it, cemented at least in my mind, and I think many, two million people's minds, like what spiritual warfare is and what it looks like. None of it is based on the Bible, none of it is, it doesn't seem to even be, which is so interesting because I feel like for a generation that was obsessed with like good theology, they're also like, well, if you're like an evangelical Christian and you write a book, you must have yeah, good theology. And you're um, a man, so you clearly have your God antenna screwed on, right? Yeah. And my sister, so D.L. Mayfield, they did like a deep dive in Pretty. Y'all should go check that out on the Prophetic Imagination Station at some point. Um, one, because I have not read these books in years. And one thing when D.L., uh, read them in recent years that I had completely blocked out is that um, there are more than one instance of a woman being possessed uh, by a demon to make false sexual assault <gasps> allegations against a pastor. So Fuck. demons are, yeah. So these poor holy men are being, mm. are being like uh, not convicted accused of assault by women who are possessed by demons. That is an actual – that happens, I believe, two times. What? No. Fuck off. Uh-uh. Cool. Can you – Frank. Like, cool, Frank. Yeah. Cool. Just – so that also really helped um, the Me Too movement, really helped, like, women being believed. That was, like – it's, like, you, no wonder that Christians are so terrible to victims of assault. And it just – it just, again, it all plays back – like – we say the same things every time because it always does come back to either patriarchy, misogyny, white supremacy, like you name it. It's I'm just like, don't say it, Sarai. Don't, don't say it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's just so depressing that that's how like women are painted. So, oh, anyways. So also that women are very susceptible to demonic possession. I think we have seen that even in pop culture that usually when a subject is possessed, it is a woman. And she's crazy, obviously, and she can't be trusted and she's going to be a temptress or she's going to bring, you know, like hell and brimstone and fire and all that shit because she's so dangerous. And the fact that this fucking asshole gets to write a book and pretend like it's God inspired and say, hey, hey, I have this insight. This probably happens all the time to these wonderful holy men no. It's now saying that women are the only ones who are being possessed, who are like getting possessed. And it's just such an easy way to dismiss anything that a woman says because she's crazy. Um, she's possessed. She's having mental problems. And now Frank Preddy walks in and says, now I'm going to, on top of the fact that we never believe the victim, I'm going to now 
just throw in that it's probably demon possession and that she's a temptress and, you know, it's probably not her fault, but also it is her fault. But it is. It's but probably she opened the door to that demon, right? Yeah. Like so she's again, the one that like, gave it a foothold. If you're dabbling, yeah, yeah. She probably foothold. got sexually assaulted by the pastor, and that was the foothold the devil needed, right? Like it's also God. it's funny because I think it also goes back to even kind of the not that distant past thinking about women's anatomy and mental health, and like probably one of the reasons why you're supposed to stay pregnant and barefoot all the time is. If otherwise, like, what if your uterus wanders around, you have a wandering womb, and then that's going to be a great attraction for a devil. So, like, we have so many holes that demons can get into, and that's, I think, um, really dangerous for us, and that's why we need to keep babies in our rooms. Is that fair? Like, is that a fair logic? I think I'm going to write a book about that. (laughs) Yeah, I think you should. Yeah, I'm just going to use a male pen name and publish it with Tyndall House. It makes as much sense as any other Perfect. demon theory I've Thank heard, you. right? Like, go mm-hmm. for it, Sarai. Okay. And use definitely use a male surname because yeah. you'll sell a lot more. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so interesting about women. I mean, we are we – are, we have such fragile constitutions, so I could see how, you know, demons really get on in there. Um, it is that's, convenient, that's on us. though, that, um, you know, men can have this like, oh, she's probably just demon-possessed. Like, okay. Like – and I – I want to know the difference between um, demon possession and under demonic influence because I also feel like I hear that like you're being yeah. influenced by a demon. Okay, like, well, is that I know the demon on your sh- correct. Yes, so there's like the demon on you. your shoulder. The influence is just that there are demons around you, which is what I always thought my life was. I never thought that I was possessed by a demon. Possession is where the demon like literally takes over and speaks through you and controls your mind and controls your actions and that you have given over control of your physical body to an entity that is not you. And having just demons around you is like kind of what everyone experiences, but some people are more susceptible to those demonic voices and can hear them more or like what they're saying. But also the demons are sneaky and you don't know that they're demons and you think that they're on your side And, you know, because they get to use, like, all kinds of tricks. Just like the police, they can lie to you and they can, like, make stuff up and it's totally allowed. But um, if you continue to allow yourself to have an open ear, um, it it leads to demon possession. So there, it's a slippery slope, really. If you start letting a demon just whisper to you, eventually you're going to allow them to, like, take over your whole body. So you got to be – you got to watch out. They, that's their yeah, end goal, I think, is possession, is what my understanding is. <laughs> Every single one of us will be possessed by demons because that's the goal. I'm glad um, they're so goal-oriented, honestly. Good for them. <laughs> I wonder what project uh, management would, tool they use. I know. I was thinking, like, do they have, like, <laughs> weekly reports, you know, yeah. they're coming in? They're very, they're very busy, you know? They – it's – according to Frank Freddie and Carmen, oh, my gosh, the picture that Carmen paints of yes. demons are are – evangelical Italian stallion hero, Carmen, he really, he taught me a lot about demons. Obviously, the man was obsessed with hell. Does the demon say the thing about like when- Oh, he says, we'll remind them of their past, but they'll remind you of your future. Of your future. That's right. That's it. That's the best. It all starts. Yes. Yeah. And I remember the t-shirts of that, like when he, when Satan reminds you of your past, you tell him like, you you remind him of his future. I am just- bungling this. <laughs> no, you're perfect. 
You're doing it with Carmen-esque clarity. It's beautiful. I <laughs> feel him. Not- I feel Carmen in this place tonight, you know? <laughs> Carmen is with us all. May he rest in the hell that he talked about so May much. Carmen possess <laughs> my empty carcass and allow me to sing some epic, <gasps> hilarious songs. Oh, I, w- I wonder if we could be possessed by Carmen. But also, fun fact, did you know that Michael W. Smith recorded a spooky song inspired by this present darkness called Ashton. No. Have you heard it? I, you know it? I mean, first of all, I loved me some Smitty. Loved some Smitty. Loved him. Oh, yeah. He's dead. He's dead to me now. Trump. Oh, yeah, obviously. Oh my God. But, gross. But when we were in YWAM as a family, so I was a kid, we did like YWAM as a family. I never did one on my own as an adult. And we went through like Mexico doing skits and dances and what have you. And one of the skits that we did was to Michael W. Smith's Ashton. And it was like a whole thing. And it was like my mom was in it. She had, and it was like being tempted by like, you know, greed. And there was like a money, like money and drinking or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And then she turns to Jesus in the end. But it was also so this song is like very burned into my brain. Oh, wow. But here, it's funny when we got on, Meg was like, What are you listening to spooky music? This is spooky. It's amazing. I can't believe they didn't get possessed just writing this level of spookiness. That's what it's I'm thinking. Fully in- it's a fully instrumental song. It's just feeling. Oh, it's fully instrumental? The, it's a two and a half minute song. Fully instrumental, just spooky tunes inspired by the city of Ashton as painted by Frank Peretti. That's the war for its soul. Oh you feel it? You feel the war? Yeah. Why aren't the angels okay, bringing on. it to him? Oh, wait, gonna, I bet it gets really triumphant at the end, huh? Yeah. Here come the synths, and that means the angels are here, bitches. I'm picturing one with, like, a lasso made of fire, just, like, throwing it around a bunch of bad demons and knocking them around and well, shooting so the them back. They're all, like, they're all, like, attacking the protagonist in this, and they're all, you know, but Jesus is coming to save them. Anyways, that's all. I just needed you to know that Michael W. Smith wrote a song based on that book. Fully instrumental, and it takes you on like an emotional journey through the terror Mm -hmm. of spiritual warfare. In the most 1980s way you could hope for. (laughs) Like, absolutely iconic. Michael W. fucking Smith. Excellent work on that song. Yeah, that was from uh, the year – this is from – I believe a self-titled oh eye to eye, which was really nice. released in 1988. By the way, it's I I had forgotten about this. It's I to I. Can you see how that's spelled? <laughs> oh, it's cute. really special. <laughs> really wow. special. Indeed. <laughs> mm. Ahead of his time. Such artistic license, really, with the words. Yeah, I mean, so I feel like talk about demons was so prevalent that, like, even Michael W., he's like, I don't even have to talk about them. I'm just going to make a spooky song, and y'all are going to know that I'm making music about demons. They were just part of the discussion. And whether or not, again, it sounds like all of us took to heart a little bit differently. And Sarai, it sounds like you landed a little bit more like how I tend to land on things where I just, like, didn't. It was weird because I I was afraid of them, and I wanted to be a prayer warrior, but I just – I never thought – like when I went and prayed for that woman with my mom or what have you, I remember being deeply uncomfortable, but like not being afraid. I don't, again, maybe just because like I was around Christians and I was always like, yeah, we got Jesus. So like, 
we'll be good. I don't know. Like it just. Yeah. I also think. We weren't allowed. Like when I, I was. I was allowed to do bad things. Like I wasn't allowed right. to listen to like your music. So like I couldn't open that door. There were no it. footholds to be had. Your soul was smooth as ice. <laughs> Yes. I I think the other thing for me is I if I was afraid of something, like I'd ask about it, you know, oh, can a demon come into my brain and just influence my thoughts? Because when I was like 11 or 12, I started to get really depressed and anxious and I didn't know what was going on really. And, and no one else did, you know, so famously I read the Psalms, but skipped the Psalms and went straight to Ecclesiastes and that helped. But um, But I do remember distinctly asking somebody and I want to say it was like my youth pastor but I would have been younger like I was younger so but I remember somebody my mom maybe saying like they can't just come into your brain and like influence your thoughts without you inviting them so I don't know if that was like doctrinal or if it just is mixed up with vampire lore but I (laughs) like I didn't think that they could hurt me because I had to invite them in basically I think I was told that as well but that it seems like charismatics did not. It depends. Like, yeah, if you, I don't think possession I mean, was the thing I was concerned about. Like, I, th- I think yes, as a Christian, we were not going to be possessed against our will. That was like we were safe from possession. We were not safe from the Frank Peretti demons that were literally everywhere. You know, all the time, doing all kinds of things, trying to get us to commit all kinds of sins. Like it was trying to run your vehicle off the road, right? Mm-hmm. You never even like know. they're mm-hmm. they have they have ways of controlling the physical world, and I don't have ways of controlling the spiritual world. And for me, that was like that meant you had to constantly be in prayer. That was the only way that you could stop any of it was to constantly be in prayer. And I think the other thing it taught me was to really like look outside of myself for solutions to things. And it was not like I was incapable myself of protecting myself or my own sanity. Um, And that's also a really damaging thing. I think it lent lent itself into that, um, that feeling like I was always, there was always a threat. There was literally always a threat to me, to my life, to my salvation, and then to my life on earth. Like if I could think that a demon could influence me to do something against what God wanted for my life, that that would somehow jeopardize my salvation or jeopardize my purity. I mean, demons were a big deal and and yet still it was my fault. It was still like I was still the one responsible for anything that happened. It wasn't like I then got to be relieved from things to be like, oh, well, that was a demon. Like I never got to use the demons for my benefit. It was like, Mm. (laughs) no, yeah. I just always was afraid of them and, and afraid of what the possibilities were and what I potentially could fall from grace. It was like there were just so many options it was really terrible, honestly. It's like a yeah. terrible way to live, especially as a child. I'm curious because that was your reality as a child, but like how long, you know, as a in adulthood, like has that influenced you still? I mean, definitely through my like early 20s when I was um, kind of coming out of a charismatic worldview at that point, I think is when I started to kind of 
disassociate with the idea of demons or that like the idea that there were unseen forces around me battling for my soul at all times and could just like kind of put them all in a little tiny box and be like, eh, I, I don't know if it really matters anymore. Um, but certainly through, I mean, we, we talk about the, the truck. Like when I started driving, there was a fear in my mind. Um, there was a fear that if anything happened with my car, that it was like a sign that there was something greater happening. And I think that was the other thing that was really terrifying is that if you believe in demons and you start to see them in things and you start to see their their actions, um, their conse the consequences of demons all around you, that is something that just continues to build more fear because you're giving power over to something unseen. And it takes that autonomy away again another time. And it it changes you know, the way that you walk through the world. And and I walk through the world afraid for a lot of reasons. Um, and demons were certainly one of them. And, uh, you know, when I was a missionary, I experienced um, an incident where um, someone, two two men came up and, and attempted to, to kidnap me. And um, I was in a foreign country. And because we were there for missions work, it was very much demon related. Um, when, when it came, when we got back, the, I, I did go, you know, they took me to a doctor and, and I got seen and everything, but it was less about the physical or emotional distress that I had experienced. And it was more about praying for spiritual protection and about, um, how I was now targeted. And I had some sort of like spiritual marking on me, um, that said that I was one that they could come after again. And, and so, mm -hmm. On top of the trauma of the experience, of the physical experience, the emotional experiences, I had this spiritual trauma that was happening on top of it as well. And it it was, it was just like everyone was ripe for it. Everyone was ready for it. It was like that had to be the reason why that mm -hmm. it happened is because we were out here doing the Lord's work. And so, of course, we were going to be, you know, targeted and persecuted. Um, Mm -hmm. Wait, were you told that you were targeted, that like this was demonic work because you were like doing such good work for the Lord or were you told it was because like you were sinning and something? No, it was because, I mean, interesting, interesting because of my, uh, my relationship with my, uh, my friend who was a guy who was the one that I was with at the time who saved my life. And um, we had been told that we weren't allowed to be around each other and we were told that we weren't supposed to be friends because it was like. I don't know, were we two hot young people? And everyone was like, you must be getting it on. And um, we were not. And <laughs> um, But it was like too much of a temptation for other people to see us together or something. Uh, anyways, it, I never thought of it like that, um, that it was like because I did anything wrong. It For me, I knew in my heart I was there for all the right reasons. I was doing God's work. Um, and at the time – the, the question came to me, do you want to leave? Do you want to cut the mission short and go home? And of course, my family, my fiance at the time, who is now my husband, was like, yeah, absolutely. You should come home. This is like, you're, this is not a safe thing for you. Like, you, you're not safe. You were injured. I had cracked ribs and bruised everywhere. It was, it was gruesome. Um, and the reason that I stayed was because of 
I, I remember saying something to the effect of, I'm not going to let Satan run me out of here. This is where God wants me and what I'm supposed to be doing. So mm-hmm. I stayed. Yeah, that's... Um, and it yeah, was demons, you know? A, that was it. It's a doozy. And I think that like that's where like one of the things in getting ready for this episode that I was really grappling with is, you know, thinking back to that person we prayed for, you know, that clearly had some, you know, something going on in her brain and that that wasn't okay. And we gave her no help. And how many times you – know, I just think about the lack of treatment, the lack of diagnoses, the lack of like real help that so many people could have gotten because we blamed it on demons. Like how much sooner could you have been on anxiety medication? You know how – and so many things, right? Like suicidal ideation, demons, you know, like being gay, demons. You know, there's so many people that like things in them that are normal parts of being a human being. Like newsflash, mental illness, there's not – it's just a thing that happens, you know? It's an imbalance in your brain and you you did nothing to deserve that or bring that upon yourself. It's just how your brain is. And I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's just so sad to me that like the amount of help that had real – help that could have been given to people who were in these circles like we were that we were just told to pray it away and turns out that um you can't yeah and like as a person who's still religious and still prays I don't exactly know what my relationship is with that anymore but I certainly don't use it as a cure you know like it is more of a it's just from my heart to express like things, whether it be gratitude or needs. Um, I believe that that sure there is some power in it, but it's not gonna take away your anxiety and it's not gonna, you know, like Meg, you needed to see a therapist after that experience in the mission field and you needed to feel safe and cared for and you needed to like work through that trauma. And but I'm sure you were rewarded for reacting the way that you did mm-hmm. because that was like you were a tough cookie and like you were a real prayer warrior, you know, like and it, we I think rewarded. it also got us a lot more money. When people mm. heard the story, um, you know, our leaders would send out updates and newsletters and stuff to all of our supporters. And this was used as a way to really talk about the spiritual warfare that we were doing on the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it was really used in that way. And so I think that storytelling element is also something mm-hmm. that it's, it's part of the fear mongering. But being able to take stories like that and make them even scarier by adding this supernatural, supernatural part to the experience, it it kind of ratchets it up even more, and it and it it gets to people, and it's like mm-hmm. that's a scary thing that you can't explain when you're talking about demons and spiritual warfare, and and no one can like if you're if you're a Christian if you're in that world like you do, you do not deny that we talk about like denying victim experiences. Like we don't deny these supernatural things that no one has seen and that no one can speak of. And yet we're like, oh, absolutely. I believe that that was demon possession or that was a demonic force. Mm -hmm. And 
what I have learned from this is like the ability for us as humans to put off bad things onto demons means that the responsibility doesn't come back to the person. And to say that to victims of anything, of any experience is, is so it breaks my heart to think about that kid, that 19 year old version of me who was basically scared into staying in a place that was unsafe for me and yeah. that that continued to torment me. And my PTSD from that experience lasted for years and years. And you're right. I, I was not offered anything beyond a prayer circle. Um, I, you know, like I said, I did go get get medical treatment because there was I had to be seen by a doctor, but beyond that, it that was it. Um, it was prayers and and money, financial support, is mm-hmm. what we got. Is what I got out of it is prayers and financial support, right? Of course, and, and a it's good a story, great fundraising story. I mean, and that's yeah. it's also really kind of uh, once again, I have to always hear the worst parts of every story, but I think the fact that it happened on the continent of Africa and that people. Like I had friends, my ex-husband actually was in Africa for quite some time on a YWAM something, something at some point and always talked about like physical manifestations of weird miracles or of like demonic things. And I think that because these, you know, us white American evangelicals like still think of our Africa as like the dark continent. The stuff that I was reading as a kid was like David Livingston's biography, you know, like we're looking Mm -hmm. at all of these things that come from colonialism and like the fetishization and mystification of India and Africa and these places, like, of course that feeds right into what people already think. And it also makes them think like, oh, we do need to support more of these white Christian kids going into these dark places Mm -hmm. to bring them basically Western culture, but let's just call it Jesus. It's, it's so gross. Like it's super gross because it's self-reinforcing while also traumatizing individuals over and over and taking away their agency. And I get, I think it kind of comes back a little bit when last time we talked with Sinane and she brought up thought reform and some of the different ways that that happens. And one of the things that I think about with this is like the idea of bounded choices that she mentioned that if it's if it seems impossible, like if it's impossible for your worldview for bad things to just happen, like that it needs an explanation and an answer, which evangelicals do require, the only answer could possibly be demons or demonic forces or otherwise something that is like still under the dominion of their all-powerful God, but complicated by sin nature and whatever. Like, And so it has to be that because if it's not that, then bad things just happen. And that's terrifying. What's the answer to that? Bad things just happen. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's sad and it's true. And I also think like what you're saying about like these other continents, like reading missionary stories, there were so many stories about them dealing with demon possession of people and tribe yeah. because of their tribal religion. Mm-hmm. So many stories about like missionaries going in and there's like the town's witch doctor, yeah, right. shaman, you know, and the town's under kind of their spell and all these bad things are happening. But the missionary comes in and preaches the name of the Lord and suddenly everyone's like free from their demonic shackles. Mm-hmm. And, and they're wearing like again. a white collared button down shirt and khakis and shoes now. So we know they're saved. <laughs> yeah, just 
And it's funny when you hear these stories, you just don't even think twice about them. But I'm sure, again, with like the fundraising aspect from your story, Meg, like you're a white woman being kidnapped by, you know, African men. And that's the devil's work. And so people are going to send you money. I don't know. It's so it's funny, like. We said we were going to record this episode because it'd be like lighthearted and fun. <laughs> <laughs> the, the nature of all of the things, the nature of holy ghosting is like this weird double-edged sword because we're trying to come at it from, like we are trying to laugh about some of this shit and we are far enough removed from some of it. Like clearly we come at things with our own sensibilities and humors and we have all been through like lots and lots and lots of therapy. But like when you get into the nitty gritty of it, like I took a gummy the other night and I was like Googling demon things and like, can I take a test to see what I'm doing? And then I just proceeded to get really sad. Yeah. About the lack of mental health resources that were offered to Christians in the 80s and 90s. And yeah. still, I'm and sure still- like as we talk about we what we know, which is Christianity in the 80s and 90s, if you listen to any five seconds of fucking Sean Foyt, he is saying the same things. It's yeah. all the like – we need revival, like we need to, because this land is dark and, you know, everything's going up in flames. He's just like taking Fox News talking points and turning yeah. them into like Biblical-ish. mini sermons. Because <laughs> it yeah, sells. Exactly. Yeah, it sells. It, yeah, exactly. And you can whip people into a godly fervor. Yeah. And again, there's no way to prove any of it. Right. It's just really big, emotional. It makes you feel very responsible for everything, for the safety of this world, for the safety of your children, for mm-hmm. our our nation's very soul. You know, that's what they always say. All I the feel time. Like, I'm, like our nation has a soul. I don't I know. know. Is it its own entity? Like this is the like, other shit. Also, it's like, you this guys. nation is like soulless and has been since it was founded. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's a document that makes it real. You know, it's it's a government. Like it's not a soul. Well, guys, everybody calm yeah. down. Well, like calm down. It's because they're white nationalists and they worship America, not God. Just All right. Throwing that out there, but <laughs> let's not forget. We have to mention let's it. Let's not forget. Everybody, uh, it's so- real and it's terrible. Let's uh fight back. <laughs> All right. That's my spiritual warfare. I don't want to live um, in a white Christian nationalist country, okay? So can we all not? Can we just not well, do that? Well, that's why I'm looking into moving to New Zealand. See y'all. Oh, <laughs> okay. Just right. want to go join the Kiwis. They're great, okay? I'm just going to um, stay here and make America great for the first fucking time. <laughs> just kidding. I don't care about America. Yeah, not again. It's never been great. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Uh, maybe it can be someday. Um, okay, so – I think we should take this demon. One thing I want to link to that I think is hilarious and I want to rewatch and maybe we can share some TikToks of it is um, my favorite YouTubers are Rhett and Link. They do a uh, good mythical morning and they recently um, invited a is demonologist, a demonologist to play. Yeah. Uh-huh. To play D and D with yeah. them. And as we've mentioned before, Meg and I play D and D together. We have rolled many dice. Uh, we, have not been possessed by any demons that we know of. Not we yet. We'll find out very soon. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Uh, I've not. Ever, I've never seen one manifesting on the table. Sometimes when I roll a one, I feel like that's a demon. That really upsets me. Um, I'm competitive and I like winning, which D&D, I'm not even going to get into that. It's not a great strategy for D&D. <laughs> uh, so, because I have no control over the dice. The demons do. I don't. Just uh, bad but anyways, things happen sometimes in D&D. It is an incredible YouTube short or YouTube video. 
getting into them, bringing this guy along. And he is like super, he's a TikToker. I don't remember his name. Again, we'll find him on here, but he is really, really into uh, demons and locating them and casting them out. And again, this stuff is still, it's, it's kind of easy to laugh at. Like the video was deeply uncomfortable because they're like trying to like hear him out. Right. I mean, Meg, you saw it, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I think they were kind of like, look, we want to just be sure we don't get demon possessed. Why don't we just bring this guy along while we play D&D for the first time and just kind of see. The, the best part about it is when they keep looking to him to see if things that they're doing in the game is like, is now the moment that I'm inviting a demon in? And he's like, no, you can go ahead and do that. And they're like, okay, great. And so then they continue playing. And it kind of reaches this point where he's like, uh, no, don't do that. And they're like, well, we kind of need to for the game like, because it's going to help us. And he's like, I don't recommend, like, highly don't recommend that. That's could be, you know, getting, asking a demon to come join you. And it is, it's a, it's a fun, slightly triggering, um, <laughs> slightly enjoyable thing. If you're into gaming or D&D at all, 100% recommend go and yeah. watch it. Watch it. It's, it's, it's fun to watch them. And, and they're like trying to humor him. But at a certain point, you can just tell they just stop listening yeah. to him. I mean, for me, it's like D&D. two fun worlds collide. For you, it was like three fun worlds colliding. It uh-huh. was, it's uh-huh. a good time. Yeah, it was, it was great. And you can, you know, get, uh, get an education on uh, D&D and demons and what you may – if we – are if he's right, then Meg and I are very much possessed. So we're about to find that out. So we are off to go take Bob Larson's demon test. If you want to join us, you can take it at demontest.org to find out if we are possessed by demons. And we mm-hmm. are going to be sharing those results and taking the test over on our Patreon. So if you want to know how many of us are possessed, do you have your guesses? I for sure think Soraya is possessed 100%. <laughs> I'm going to win. Which, so I'm going to win the possession. Yeah. You have excited. given them that foothold, right? That's You've right. given them that foothold. Yeah. Demons. Spiritual warfare, is it real? Is it happening? I don't know. Is it okay if it is? Probably. Do bad things happen no matter what? Absolutely. Like, if demons are the reason why you think bad things happen in the world, I have some news for you. Even if that's true, people are still assholes and do bad things and make bad choices all on their own. And it's okay to start holding human beings accountable for those kinds of things that they do. And whether it's a demon that's helping them out or it's just them on their own, I still think let's hold those pastors accountable. Let's make sure that those victims are heard. Let's say, yes, I believe you, even if there's a demon involved. Yeah. Let's never, ever, ever say that a person who's claiming that they've been sexually assaulted is being possessed by a demon. That's a really good rule for life. I think also, let's just maybe assume let's just not, no one is. How about let's not blame things on demons anymore? That was a really nice cop out of our childhood, but um, pretty sure none of these things. Smurfs, not demonic. No, it's fine, guys. Watch it's watch literally your cartoons, a cartoon. Listen it's, to your secular music. Yeah, party down, have smoke sex, some weed, light D and D, fire them up if you got them. Whatever. Yeah, play D&D. You know what? The thing is, like, there's no such thing as offering a foothold. You're not a fucking mountain to climb. Like, if you want (laughs) to go find a foothold, go to a climbing gym and, like, get get climby. But this is – it's just so frustrating to know that every little piece of our religious upbringing was attuned to, like, just 
somehow perfectly turn every knob to create an environment where, one, we never had any agency, but also mm. we took all the blame. And we also could, like, don't get the credit for good things because that's just a God thing. You know, like, we actually are agents and of action in our own lives. We have the right to act and for our actions to have meaning. And in fact, I'd rather take responsibility and accountability for the things I choose to do. And I'd rather be able to look at the parts of myself that I was told were evil or demonic or otherwise needed to be hidden away from me and the world because those are just parts of myself. Like it's not bad for you to have thoughts, lustful thoughts. It's not bad for you to be a human being who has needs and wants and desires. Like don't exploit other people, don't harm other people, but like be yourself and live your life and know that you absolutely can weather things that happen because bad things do happen all the fucking time. It doesn't have to be for a reason, but we also can always still make things beautiful. Like we get to do all the things that we gave God all the credit for, like beauty from ashes. We still do that all the fucking time. I'm doing it right now in my life. It's hard and it sucks a lot of the time to like pick up pieces from things that didn't work out to live with the uncertainty of what's going to happen now, like losing <laughs> pieces of my life that I've had really close for seven years or more, you know, and that happens periodically in our lives. And so we go through it and we figure it out. And it's not because of angels or demons. It's because we get to learn and grow and be more of who we are as we mature into our own lives. And like, what a beautiful thing of freedom. There's spiritual warfare be damned. I don't know if it exists either. And I also don't fucking care. Even when I'm like, I'm an eclectic witch, people are like, oh, what about bad spirits? And I'm like, they don't fuck with me. What do you mean? I don't, that's not a thing I deal in because it's yeah, stupid. It's just not a thing that I, it's dumb. Okay, it's just stupid. Like, it. let's not. Let's not. I agree with that. And I mean, ultimately, I think this episode has been, it's been a little bit fun to talk about demons, to go down the the Frank Peretti and the Carmen Rhodes. I'm curious, you know, listeners, like, if you want to find us on social media and let us know, like, what were the other, what were the big demons in your youth? Like, yeah. were there others, like, uh, things that impacted you, books that you read, think, like, were, were demons named in your life and congregations? What was one your family really fixated on? I'm curious because it sounds like, this is something we're all relatively familiar with. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Holy Ghosting. This has been Demons Watching Over Me or Everything I Need to Know About Demonology I Learned from Frank Peretti. We mm. will see you in a couple of weeks. We'll be back with one last spooky episode for the season. Yay. And then we'll go on to our regular programming. But we're glad you joined us. We we love us some Halloween. We will be releasing a little mini episode on whether or not we're possessed over on our Patreon. So go sign up if you want to hear. If you want to hear us talk about other random shit and high times and other things like that, well, find us on Patreon at Patreon slash Holy Ghosting. Would like to hear more of our thoughts on Halloween. Go back. Last season, we did a Halloween episode. It rules, if I do say so myself. We will be posting it to our Facebook group, and I'm sure sharing it on our socials as well. So happy almost Halloween. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, YouTube. We've got a Facebook group. We're on Instagram. If you're on the internet, Holy Ghosting is there. Influencing you at all times. See you next time, Surrounding ghosties. Surrounding you. <laughs> 
Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod.